Welcome to the Free Chapel Podcast. Let's get into this week's message. So I want us to turn in 2 Corinthians 5 and um, verses 14 through 16. The Bible says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one, everyone say no one, from a worldly point of view. He died for all, and then he said, stop living for yourself. Stop living for what makes you feel good all the time. Stop living and being in relationships based on just if it feels good to you. Die to yourself and live for me. Regarding no one from a worldly point of view. Regarding no one from an Instagram therapist point of view. I know it really hurt me too. Regarding no relationship in your life through a worldly point of view. Well, that relationship no longer serves me anymore, so cut off. Well, you know, they don't bring out the best in me, so cut off. Well, you know, it really doesn't help me, and I'm about to open up a major can of worms if I go down that road with all of the hurt and all of the pain that comes with it. But he says, die to yourself and regard no one from a worldly view. Stop taking your cues and gathering your wisdom from social media. Facebook and TED Talks and start opening this book on how we are to be in relationship with one another. He says, if you'll come into relationship with me, if you'll learn who I am, I will give you peace, I will give you love, I will give you forgiveness and I will reconcile you. Skip down to verse 18 for the sake of time. All of this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And when I read scriptures like that, they don't confirm my feelings. They don't make me feel very good. In fact, when I was reading these scriptures this week, rather than a, oh, thank you, Jesus, it was a, oh, ow, that one hurt a little bit. And that, that goes against everything that I'm feeling. But then I flipped over to Colossians 1 and verse 19, and it says this, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. Him is Jesus So understand that when Jesus was born into a manger, when he came down to earth, he was not God junior. He was not a human being with God sprinkled onto him. He was the Godhead, three in one, crammed into a human body. That's why God exploded out of him everywhere that he went. The Bible says when he walked into temples that demons would scream out, that just touching the hem of his garment, people were healed that God, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself God all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He made peace, he made reconciliation possible for you and for me with the price 
of his blood, but some of us say no to a text message reaching out. Some of us say no to an uncomfortable conversation. Some of us say absolutely not to being the first one to reach out in that relationship that you know that you need to reach out in because it's too much, it's too uncomfortable, it's too painful, but for you, he played in blood. He signed the receipt for your soul in his blood. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now listen to how incredible of a gift this is. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That doesn't hit like those fun little Instagram therapist quotes that tell me I'm validated. In fact, that takes me from a place of feeling validated in my hurt and my anger and my unforgiveness and in my pain and it puts me in a place of awareness, of thankfulness for the price that he paid on the cross for me and for you. Scriptures like that make me take off my worldview and they make me shift my intentions and they make me focus and zero in on Calvary. That God himself crammed himself into a human body. He lived a spotless life. The Bible says he went to Gethsemane and his feelings told him he did not want to go to the cross. He was in such angst, he was so distraught that he literally was sweating blood. But in Gethsemane, he picked, not my will, let me sacrifice and lay down what my desires are, but yours be done. They beat him. They ripped out his beard. They put a crown of thorns on his precious head and they took stakes, we call them nails. If you see what they actually looked like, they were stakes that they drove through flesh and bone to hang him on a tree for you and for me. And while he laid there, while he hung there on that cross, hanging, dying, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The path and the journey to the cross that Jesus reconciled you and I to God the Father on, it was paved by the ultimate betrayal of one of Jesus' closest friends. Judas would have been like a brother to him and he sold him for a bag of silver. And when Jesus demonstrated the power of forgiveness on the cross, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And what separated us from God was removed forever. And the mercy that sat between two angels on the Ark of the Covenant within the Holy of Holies, it was dumped out 
onto all of humanity to cover my past sin, my present sin, and my future sin one time, once and for all. Yeah. Power and forgiveness run concurrently together. If you want to release the full power of heaven in your life, then release forgiveness in your family. Let it run rampant in your life. Well, they haven't asked me for forgiveness. And let me guess, you know, you, you feel like you deserve to be asked, right? Like, if you're gonna give it, then, well, they need to ask for it, trust me. Nobody was standing at the foot of the cross asking Jesus for forgiveness. In fact, the soldiers that were standing at the foot of the cross, when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, they likely had his blood splattered all over their face from beating and and just absolutely brutalizing Jesus. And do you wanna know what the Bible says they did? It says they continued to gamble over his clothes and insult and laugh and mock him. Romans 5, 8 says, and yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. So what, so what it always falls on me is that what you're telling me, Courtney? That I always have to be the one. They're just let off the hook. They can do whatever they want. They can hurt me. They can do whatever they need to do. And it always falls on me. I always have to be the one to reach out. I'm not wrong. Yeah, it does. It does all fall on you. According to Romans chapter 12, if it is possible as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. That does not feel good. I know y'all are really quiet and I get it. I felt this way all week while I felt like God was giving me this message. But our worldview tells us this. If they're toxic, if they've hurt me, if I feel like they are a manipulator or I've labeled them a narcissist, then, you know, I have to cut them out, Courtney, to protect my peace. John chapter 14 says, Jesus said, peace I leave to you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives. There is the peace of the world and there is the peace of God. The peace of God is not fickle. It's not easily moved. It's not easily messed up. It does not run out of any form of protection for you. It is a strong peace that holds you. It passeth all understanding. And maybe you say, okay, well, but they're over there. We haven't spoken in a year. And, you know, they're over there and I'm over here and I'm just keeping the peace. I'm keeping the peace. I'm not gonna reach out because we're keeping the peace. The Bible didn't call us to be peacekeepers. The Bible called us to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And we have to understand that peace is not just a posture. Peace is a person. Isaiah 9 says, And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And when you go into a situation where there is no peace, where peace might not even look attainable between you and someone else, and you say, 
I am going to be a peacemaker here. You bring the person of peace with you, which is Jesus. The peace of God will never be attained when you are in direct contradiction to his word. And nowhere in his word does it tell us that we are allowed to withhold what is so freely given to us. I know it doesn't feel good. So do you need peace today? Then be a peacemaker. Do you need forgiveness today? Then give it. Do you need mercy today? Then give it. If you wanna stop being judged, then get off the judgment seat. The thing about forgiveness that is so hard is it is not a single act. It is an attitude. It's a way of living every single day. Jesus did not put any form of limitations on what our forgiveness threshold was supposed to be. In fact, he did the opposite. He said 70 times seven, continually, regularly, do I need you to forgive? It's an attitude, not an act. And even in how Jesus told us to pray, I want them to put up the Lord's Prayer. We're gonna pray it together. Let's read these words together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespassers as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Forgive us our debts, other translations say, as we forgive those, our debtors. A debt is legitimately owed. He didn't say you weren't legitimately allowed to be upset about these things that have happened. But when we take it back to simply what he asked us and told us to pray every single day, He literally flipped the world upside down. He came into an environment and a society that said, an eye for an eye, an ear for an ear, a hand if you steal, and I'm gonna give as good as I get. I promise you, if you hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you worse. And he said, love those who hurt you, who intentionally cause you harm. He said, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. But some of us walk around with bitterness in our hearts. And the problem with bitterness is it's not always obvious. That's why it's a root. You don't usually see what's under the surface, right? But the Bible says this. He says, our God knows how to lay an ax to the root. Bitterness blows out the candle of joy in our lives. Why don't you light the candle again this Christmas? Why don't you say, I'm not gonna allow the bitterness of this situation, of my pain, of my resentment, of my unforgiveness. And while you're decorating your house and while we stand in this room in a couple of weeks and we pass candles, why don't you remember this moment of I'm not going to allow bitterness to win today. How? How do I get rid of bitterness? (laughs) Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Kings that there was a bitter well, there was a bitter spring, and the plants were growing up around it 
but it was bearing absolutely no fruit. And so the prophet Elisha came in and the Bible says that he cast salt into the source and God healed the bitter water. Forgiveness is the remedy for bitterness. And when you choose forgiveness, the bitterness that has caused barrenness in your life will be healed. Mark 9:50 says, have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. What is salt? It's a seasoning. What are you seasoning your words with this Christmas? I want you to think about what seasoning you're putting on those around you. What seasoning are you doing? And when your mother-in-law asks you to pass the salt this Christmas, maybe you just need to, as a little reminder, God help me, really don't like her. (laughs) She really gets on my nerves. Or your sibling gets a little bit what the world calls salty, right? You give salty right back, okay? I want you to stay salty. Everybody say, stay salty. But again, we're not doing worldview, okay? We're doing salty Jesus view, okay? I want you to stay salty this Christmas season. Say, pass the salt. If you will release forgiveness and remove bitterness, he will take what's barren in your life and make it beautiful. There's a story maybe you're saying today, well, um, you just went into this whole deal, Courtney, about how God, he was God and Jesus was not a human and I'm a human. So you're asking me to do things that I'm not capable of doing. And I would simply say this, this began all the way back in Genesis in the Bible. There's the story of Joseph and you should go read it on your own time. I don't have time to go through it now. But when I think about family betrayal, I don't know many worse stories than Joseph's. His brothers literally were going to murder him because they got jealous and they didn't like him. And one of them grew a conscience and said, well, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this pit and then we'll figure out what we're gonna do with him. Oh, here's a better idea. Let's, let's sell him into slavery. They sold him into slavery and he became a slave and he ran into hardship after hardship and he ended up going from becoming a slave to becoming a slave in a dungeon And every single night, he had to go to sleep knowing he was in the horrible position he was in because of the ones who should have loved and protected and taken care of him the most, his big brothers. And he ended up, God raised him, I believe because of his heart of forgiveness, raised him to the second highest position in all of Egypt. You should go read it, it's a wild story. And the Bible says that his brothers came in And they didn't recognize him, but Joseph recognized them. And there's this incredible story of how he forgave them. And he said, go get my daddy, go get our father, please. I haven't seen him in so long. And I know he's so old. It's been years. Just go get my father. They go and they bring their father, bring all their families back. And they're living this high life. But then his father dies. And the brothers got scared that, okay, there's no way this kind of radical forgiveness is real. There's no way that Joseph has actually forgiven us of this. And so he's gonna kill us. He's gonna kill our, now that daddy's dead, he's gonna kill us. He's gonna kill our children. He's gonna kill our families. We need to get ahead of this. And so they sent him a letter and they sent him a message and they said simply this, we will be your slaves if you won't kill us. The Bible says that Joseph wept. 
when he got that message and he called all of them in and the Bible says they threw themselves at his feet and they said, please just let us be your slaves. And this is the incredible response that Joseph had to them. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Have you put yourself in the place of God in a relationship in your life so that you can feel justified from releasing that person in forgiveness or in reconciliation? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. This is so important. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and it's hard for me to even read this next line without getting choked up. And he spoke kindly to them. And maybe today you're asking, how do you do that? Matthew 16, the Bible says this, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Why didn't he say, when Jesus instructed us on how to follow him, deny the devil? Maybe it's because he knew that the greatest obstacle for us being able to live this extraordinary life, this more excellent way that Jesus spoke about, this radical love and that allows us to love, to do good to those who hurt us, to forgive those that we don't deem good enough to forgive. Maybe he knew that Satan wouldn't be our greatest obstacle in that task, but that our greatest obstacle would simply be ourselves. I think about what Joseph did and the gift that he gave to his brothers and the gift that he didn't only give to his brothers when he released the power of forgiveness. Generations were affected. Many, the saving of many lives. How many lives are waiting on you as far as it depends on you to release forgiveness? Everyone standing to their feet, please. I know it doesn't feel good to deny yourself. But when you come to an altar, that's what you're doing, is you're coming and you're bringing your hurt and you're bringing your pain and you're bringing your unforgiveness and you're exchanging it for his peace, for his love, for his ultimate forgiveness, for his guidance, for his reconciliation to God. And if you still have some Christmas shopping to do, I wanna ask you today if you would consider giving the gift of forgiveness this Christmas. If there's someone that while I've been speaking, that their face just keeps coming to your mind, that's not just a weird little thing your brain's doing, that's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying it's time. It's time to have that uncomfortable conversation. It's time for you to actually demonstrate what you're so want to celebrate 
that I have given you. Maybe this Christmas you need to give the gift of reconciliation. And do you wanna know what the gift of reconciliation is? It's simply opening the door, saying you can come in, sitting down at the table and saying, it's sending a text message that says, I love you and I'm sorry. And I'm not suggesting that you don't have boundaries. I have boundaries in my healthy relationships in my life. But if it depends on you, and it does, live at peace with everyone. Give the gift of refusing to put a situation, a relationship, a person past the possibility of what an impossible working God can do. Send the text message. Let this message move you past just, oh, a feel good warm moment. Cause the second you walk out of this door, you're not gonna feel it anymore. They're not gonna be playing the keys. They're not gonna have this heightened emotion. It's gonna go right back to, ugh, crucify it. Lay it down. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Free Chapel can now be your home church no matter where you live with Free Chapel Online. Watch weekly messages from wherever you are with your family and friends, join online small groups, volunteer, and more. Plus, there's weekly content for youth and kids. Join today by downloading the Free Chapel app or head over to freechapel.org online. And a special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or on our website and app. God bless you and we'll see you next week.